Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Easter Egg Hunt, a Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by the Spin Cycle Media. This is our fifth episode and we're going to talk about Taylor Swift's fifth album, 1989, which is being re-released on October 27th. Taylor announced the release of 1989, Taylor's version on August 9th. Get it? 1989, 89, at SoFi in LA on the Eras tour, the last stop on the first leg. And on Instagram, she posted, surprise, 1989, Taylor's version is on its way to you soon. The 1989 album changed my life in countless ways, and it fills me with such excitement to announce that my version of it will be out October 27th. To be perfectly honest, this is my most favorite re-record I've ever done because the five from the vault tracks are so insane i can't believe they were ever left behind but not for long pre-order 1989 taylor's version on my site first of all i think it's really huge that this is her favorite re-record personally all of the from the vault tracks have been my favorites i mean like i really discovered a lot of new um like top favorite songs on the vault tracks which include you all over me i think is incredible and i love her like pairs of songs and obviously that's a prequel to clean um i love i bet you think about me uh message in a bottle is maybe one of my favorite taylor swift songs ever it's actually my husband's favorite taylor swift song he loves to turn up the bass on that track (laughs) but yeah so because of how awesome all of the previous from the vault songs have been i'm really excited to see what we get on this album if it's her favorite 1989 was one of taylor's most successful albums it had three number one billboard hits totaling 11 weeks at number one um, at different times she had five top tens on that album and it actually earned her her second album of the year grammy after fearless being the first and she also won the grammy for best pop vocal album she won the american music award for favorite pop album the iHeartRadio music award award for album of the year overall it was a really really successful album for her it was her first like true venture into pop as well well so it could have kind of gone either way it was sort of a risk in her career um but ended up i think really leading her to like find her sound there are several muses on this album including harry styles which was the main love interest at this time this was kind of like the longest taylor wit went being single um and she talks about her dating life really candidly on this album with blank space kind of making fun of the way she's previously been portrayed in media and in news as being like some kind of serial dater crazy bitch whatever (laughs) etc etc um so blank space is her kind of like owning but like taking back that narrative in a certain sense um but harry styles is the main love interest it's kind of a coming of age story um and it also is like heavily inspired by her girl squad and also girl fights like her feud with katie perry so if you don't remember the girl squad era maybe you're too young maybe you weren't um paying that much attention to the news and celebrity sightings etc here's kind of an overview of her girl squad in general so the squad um included actresses like jamie king Haley seinfeld sarah hyland emma stone 
singers like Lord, Selena Gomez, um, models, of course. I think the models were kind of the um, sticking point that made it kind of controversial in the media, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, models like Martha Hunt, Lily Aldridge, Carly Kloss, Gigi Hadid, and Cara Delevingne. Um, people kind of had mixed feelings about her girl squad era. I think a lot of people saw it kind of as like women's empowerment. Like it was, it kind of coincided with the girl boss movement so to speak um where all these like um white hot female owned businesses started popping up and making a lot of money um so it really like was a sign of the time so to speak but i feel like the models most of which she met during her victoria's secret fashion show performances really led to a lot of criticism by the media of them being like this like unattainable hot girl like you can't sit with us mean girl squad however it does appear that a lot of the tracks on 1989 are inspired by female friendship and camaraderie and having fun which is just cool so the track list the deluxe track list of 1989 goes welcome to new york blank space style out of the woods all you had to do was stay shake it off i wish you would bad blood wildest dreams how you get the girl this love i know places clean wonderland you are in love new romantics blank space and Shake It Off, Bad Blood, and New Romantics are all very much the coming of age songs that I'm referring to. I think she really like took back the narrative of who she was in the media. It's almost like a prequel to Reputation where she's kind of like owning her persona. She's starting to shed the like all American, like good girl image and starting to like come into this like young woman um, especially with Blank Space and Shake It Off. And then with Bad Blood, you know, this is really the first time that she um, sang about something like a friendship gone bad. Um, obviously, we had like Better Than Revenge and that sort of thing, but that was more like over a boy, still kind of like tied to romance. And while Taylor Swift and Katy Perry did both date John Mayer, Taylor has said outright that the uh, that the subject of bad blood and her did not have a falling out over a guy. Seemingly, Taylor's beef with Katie all started over Katy Perry hiring some dancers off Taylor Swift's tour. In September 2014, Swift revealed that her song Bad Blood is about a female musical artist who she won't name who quote unquote tried to sabotage her tour by hiring people from her staff. Then um, people looked back at a previous interview that one of her dancers had done with another outlet Um talking about leaving the red tour for Perry's prism tour, which at the end of the day was probably a really bad career decision, to be honest. Taylor said, quote, she would come up to me at award shows and say something and walk away. And I would think, are we friends or did she just give me the harshest insult of my life? She did something so horrible. I was like, oh, we're just straight up enemies. And it wasn't even about a guy. It had, it had to do with business. She basically tried to sabotage an entire arena tour. She tried to hire a bunch of people out from under me. And I'm surprisingly non-confrontational. You would not believe how much I hate conflict. So now I have to avoid it's awkward and I don't like it. Then, of course, after this interview, Katie um, tweets out 
watch out for Regina George in sheep's clothing. That May is when the song and music video for Bad Blood comes out. And then I believe it was the VMAs. Some award show did not recognize Nicki Minaj in the way that she wanted to be recognized. She sent out a tweet kind of pissed that Taylor Swift and other white girls were getting nominated. And Taylor Swift responded to her saying, essentially, I've always supported you. I thought we were friends and it's not like you to like pit other women against each other. Like maybe one of the men took your spot. Then Katie takes it upon herself to tweet, finding it ironic to parade the pit women against other women argument about as one unmeasurably capitalizes on the takedown of another woman. But it's like you hired her dancers who's taking whom down, but whatever, neither here nor there. So as always, I have a few predictions about this album and what we can expect from it. I have a few theorized collaborators, some people who might potentially be featured on the album based off of her life at this time. So a couple of those that I think that might be included are Selena Gomez. Obviously the two have been friends for a really long time dating back to when they were both seeing one of the Jonas brothers and that would be Nick for Selena and obviously Joe and Taylor and I think I theorize this mostly because of the like rise of the girl squad at this time and her being so close to Selena, it seems like this is when they really became like best friends as opposed to just like, you know, co-girlfriends and acquaintances. <laughs> um, this is also something that Selena and Taylor have previously talked about before about wanting to collaborate together. I think it would make the most sense for Selena to appear on this album if she would appear on any of them. The one that I'm most confident about is Lord. Taylor told Pop Crush that Lord was one of the first people to hear 1989 before it was released because she said that Lord gives awesome advice. She also performed as one of Taylor's guest stars during her Washington DC 1989 tour performance. So it definitely makes sense for Lord to appear on this album. Another one that could come out of this is Ellie Golding, who introduced her to Calvin Harris. They are not necessarily the closest of friends anymore, but that doesn't mean they like, you know, have bad blood or anything, but um, yeah, I think that this was a friendship that kind of blossomed during this time period. And even if like the relationship with the guy didn't work out, maybe the two of them still have some love for each other. So I could definitely see that, especially because this is Taylor's most like pop synthy album. It's not, um, you know, so ballad focused and it seems like a good fit for Ellie if she were ever to come on one of the albums. And of course, I am expecting some kind of collab with Harry Styles. The two have been very friendly exes for a really long time. They're always pictured together talking at award shows, etc. And to me, it seems like their relationship mostly didn't work out because of like timing and conflicts and whatever. It seems like they like liked each other, got along. It was fine. It just never really had the time and space to grow and develop. So I definitely think that it's a possibility that we could get Harry Styles on 1989, Taylor's version. On the Eras Tour, 1989, 
is right before the surprise acoustic set. It features five songs, which are Style, Blank Space, Shake It Off, Wildest Dreams, and Bad Blood. I believe that those are the five songs from the album that were Billboard Top 10 hits as well. Some fun facts about Taylor Swift is that her move into pop music with this album was not necessarily something that the people around her were confident about. She sold Billboard in 2014 when she did a cover story with them that while she never doubted that the album would sell a million copies in its first week, the people around her were not really in agreement. She said, quote, everyone in and out of the music business kept telling me that my opinion and my viewpoint was naive and overly optimistic, even my own label. But when we got those first day numbers in, all of a sudden I didn't look so naive anymore. 1989, sold 1.29 million copies in the first week, the biggest seven day sales of any release since 2002 at the time. And this was just ahead of her 25th birthday. And she became the first artist to hit that 1 million week in a week milestone three times, breaking a record, not just for women or young people, but all musicians across the board. She also said of her collaborators, Max Martin and Carl Johan Shellback Schuster, crazy name. Um, <laughs> she said that they were the last people she collaborated with on Red in 2012, and they all wished that they could have done more and explored more in pop. So going into this fifth album, she knew she wanted to start with them again, and then she worked in Ryan Tedder, and then she was hanging out with Jack Antonoff, and they started talking about 80s music. And so it all kind of like happened organically. She said, when I knew the album had hit its stride, I went to Scott Borchetta and said, I have to be honest with you. I did not make a country album. I did not make any semblance of a country album. And he went into a panic and all the stages of grief and said, can you give me three country songs? Can we put a fiddle on Shake It Off? <laughs> And she very firmly said no, because quote, it felt disingenuous to try to exploit two genres when your album falls in only one. I never wanted to pull the wool over people's eyes because people are so much smarter than a lot of marketing professionals give them credit for. Billboard also asked if she wanted Shake It Off to be the first single for the sound or for the message, which is a really smart question. And she said both. This album is not about boys. It's about something. It's not about something trivial. She says it's not about revenge or breakups. It's about what my life looks like now. And that song is essentially written about an important lesson I learned that really changed how I live my life and how I look at my life. I really wanted it to be a song that made people want to get up and dance at a wedding reception from the first drum beat, but I also wanted it to be a song that could help someone get something really terrible. She reiterates this with NPR saying that in the past she's written mostly about heartbreak or pain that was caused by someone else and felt by her. She says, quote, on this album, I'm writing about more complex relationships where the blame is kind of split 50-50. I'm writing about looking back on a relationship and feeling a sense of pride, even though it didn't work out. Reminiscing on something that ended, but you still feel good about it. Falling in love with the city, falling in love with a feeling rather than a person. And I think that there's actually sort of a realism to my new approach to relationships, which is a little more fatalistic than anything I used to think. She also touches on the lyrics in Out of the 
the woods, the lyric about hitting the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in a hospital room. She says the line is in there because it's not only the actual literal narration of what happened in a particular relationship I was in, but it's also a metaphor. Hit the brakes too soon could mean the literal sense of we got in an accident and we had to deal with the aftermath, but also the relationship ended sooner than it should have because there was a lot of fear involved. And that song touches on a huge sense of anxiety that was kind of coursing through that particular relationship because we really felt the heat of every single person in the media thinking they could drop the narr- narrative of what we were going through and debate and speculate. I don't think it's ever going to be easy for me to find love and block out all those screaming voices. She also does not elaborate to the interviewer on what actually happened in that scenario. She says that's between us, between the two people who it happened to. I think I put the lyric in the song knowing it was an evocative lyric and it was almost like this very strange subtle clue to the media that they don't know everything that happened in that relationship and they don't know everything that happens in my life and I can have something really major and traumatic happen to me and they don't know about it. I do have to say that this was during an era where Taylor was very very thin and spoke about it some. Um, In her Rolling Stone cover story that came out September 8th, 2014, she talks about being almost happy. She says, I really like my life right now. I have friends around me all the time. I've started painting more. I've been working out a lot. I've started to really take pride in being strong. I love the album I made. I love that I moved to New York. So in terms of being happy, I've never been closer to that. And the writer says, which is not necessarily the same as being happy. In a 2020 interview with Variety around the time Miss Americana came out, the documentary, she says, I remember how when I was 18, that was the first time I was on the cover of a magazine. And the headline was like, pregnant at 18. And it was because I had worn something that made my lower stomach look not flat. So I just registered that as a punishment. And then when I'd walk into a photo shoot and be in the dressing room and someone who worked at a magazine would say, oh, wow, this is so amazing that you can fit into the sample sizes. Usually we have to make alterations to the dresses, but we can just take them right off the runway and put them on you. I looked at that as a pat on the head. You register that enough times and you just start to accommodate everything towards praise and punishment your own body. The director of the documentary points out that there were a lot of people who did not think that she was too thin during this era and says, quote, you can also just not notice people being really skinny because we're all so accustomed to seeing women on magazine covers who are unhealthy skinny and that's just become normalized. It's incessant and I could say this as a woman, it's amazing to me how people are constantly like, you look skinny or you've gained weight. People you barely know say this to you and it feels awful and you can't win either way. So I think it's really brave to see someone who is a role model for so many girls and women be really honest about that. I think it will have a huge impact. About writing the album... Taylor told Pop Crush that it was interesting because the songs that are difficult to write always end up being less interesting than the ones that just kind of come from some crazy sparks of creativity. A lot of the songs on the album that I'm most proud of are ones that I got an idea and just kind of rolled with it and went with it. And 20 minutes later, I had the song done. So I kind of have been following that. I've been following the idea that if you get a really crazy lightning bolt idea, then that's the one you should chase and the one that you should follow. If it's a little bit harder to get into the groove with the song, then maybe it's just 
not that good of an idea. Her favorite on the album at the time was This Love. It's a song that she wrote completely by herself. And she says it's kind of like an hypnotic in a way. And it is kind of somewhat romantic and wistful and relaxing. But she also really likes Out of the Woods. Clean is the one that she says she's most proud of the lyrics in it. And she was really excited for people to hear that at the time she brought Imogene Heap, the idea who helped her write it. She said, I brought her the idea. I brought her the verse and chorus of the song. And one of the most important elements of that song is the production. So she kind of created this incredible sonic world for this song to live in. And I'm so excited to have worked with her on it because she's just, I think, one of the most interesting and unique artists out there. She said that it was inspired by coming out of a relationship or trying to move on from a struggle and feeling tarnished by it and talking about how if you really allow yourself to feel pain, it's easier to get past it. For most people that I've known who've fought through struggle, a lot of them have really just faced the pain head on, have come out okay a lot faster than the ones who have just pretended or been in denial of it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. I am so excited about this album and I cannot wait to hear the vault tracks. I'll definitely be back with a deep dive once we get that track list. As always, I'll be making my predictions, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Spin Cycle Media. I post about Taylor and just about every other celebrity almost every day. Definitely also tune into The Spin Cycle Podcast, which is now back weekly wherever you listen to this podcast. And it is a weekly deep dive on pop culture's biggest headlines, giving you some behind the scenes, some predictions, some PR insights on headlines and what they mean. Tune in to that every first Tuesday. The first episode of season three is out now. Love you so much. Bye.